You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, folks. Welcome back to the Mountain West Wire Football Podcast Edition. MWWire.com is the website where you can check out recaps, previews, uh, analysis, uh, opinion, love it or hate it. We're there. That's our site. Jeremy here, hanging out with Matt. Week 12 in the books. And we have something, and Matt, something, we talked just moments ago about something crazy that could happen, but we'll get to that later. Oh, yeah. Tiebreakers. Yes. <laughs> Got all the computers, or, or right? Depending, or depending on your perspective, no. Oh, exactly. No. Well, <laughs> well, it favors one team essentially overall, but we will see. But we're going to get to a couple. We'll do a few things today like we normally do. We're going to go through all the games. Two new bowl-eligible teams, Matt. We have... Congratulations. Congratulations are in order to Hawaii and Utah State. Correct. And that's probably the only teams that are going to be bowl-eligible. Most likely. Barring uh, some kind of miracle, I mean, there are still a couple teams in the mix, but uh, they will need some help. There are three teams. Fresno has four wins. San Jose State four wins, but they play each other, so basically one of those two. Yeah. CSU has two games, but they also play Boise and Air Force, right? It's a tough road. Yeah, and so they get let one get away versus Utah State over the weekend. So it's probably these teams. And also, I did the bowl projections earlier this week. So I figured, why not Sunday morning? And so there's a few little twists and turns. Adding an extra bowl game. And also, we should note, as for the bowl stuff, Hawaii Bowl has officially invited and earned an exception exce- or acceptance from BYU. So, yeah. Are you surprised by they took that bowl bid so early for BYU that they wanted to get a spot locked down? Well, I mean, I think that that was their tie-in before the season, if I'm not mistaken. So, no, I'm not surprised by that at all. Did they have one last year or did they just get randomly selected? Oh, yeah, that's where last year, that's what it was last year. They didn't have a bowl, official bowl spot last year because the Poinsettia Bowl left. Never mind. So, yeah, and that was when they ended up in the Potato Bowl. Yeah, and kind of screwed Wyoming a little bit or a lot. Depends how you feel about it. <laughs> but really quick on that bowl game, my opinion is if there's three ranked American teams, they're gonna, the third one's going to get in before Hawaii. Yeah, I guess that wouldn't surprise me. Because I do it to research. This is like the reincarnated Hawaii Bowl because you used to have the Aloha and Oahu Bulls. There's never been a ranked team. So it is going to be a tough choice not to go off on the bowl stuff early. But would you rather have, say, a ranked SMU team 24 versus BYU who might be 6-6? Six and six. They have San Diego State later this year. That's not an easy win, easy game. Would you rather have a 6-6 six and six Boise versus uh, whatever 24-ranked SMU or would you rather play a home team of Hawaii versus BYU? Old rivals, home state, town team. Depends on what you want, right? Do you want ticket sales or TV? Well, I mean, let's not forget, though. There's enough intrigue left in the Mountain West race where uh, you could be, you could theoretically be talking about conference champion Hawaii. We could. We'd, that's that's still in the mix. But remember, Vegas Bowl doesn't have to take Hawaii. That's true. So there, we'll get to all those scenarios down the road because that's a possibility there. But I'm just saying that's uh, something to look at. So... And I, that, like, if it's not Hawaii, it's going to be American team regardless. Because I think that, yes. assuming they're ranked to it, even if it's a ranked SMU or say, say heck, Navy gets back in the polls, we'll see. But let's get to the games this week. Enough bull talk right now. We had a Friday night game, Matt. Uh, the old oil can came into play again. Oh, boy. Um, can we say Fresno was a third down problem? Uh, 
uh, I mean, we could say Fresno has a lot of problems. I, they kept. I, I basically, I basically put it out on Twitter. I was like, this looked like a game where basically all of the lingering problems of the Bulldogs have been kind of trying to wrestle with all season long, kind of crept up at once. So what are you telling me? When you make that mac and cheese when you're eight years old, the bowl piled up and the water went over on the stove everywhere all at once? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> it, like, they kept showing the graphic. Because I, I, I didn't have the game on volume. I was doing other things, so I had it on mute and just kind of watching my computer and doing a few random things. So I was paying fairly close attention, but every time they're down, Fresno State 0 for 5. 0 for 6. 0 for 7. What were they finally? They finally got on the eighth try. They got a first down on third on third down. They finished, uh, what was it, 3 for 12 on the day. And you know what? They still were in the game despite going 3 for 12. Yeah, and I mean, you know, when you talk about the third downs, you really kind of take a look at the whole picture. And it was it was always going to be as hard. It was always going to be hard to be as effective as they were on third downs last year. Mm-hmm. Um and you could say that they regressed to most of where they were when they had that same problem in 2017. Um, but that has kind of been compounded by other things that they hadn't necessarily wrestled with over the last couple of years. Like one, um, the quarterback issue has been mm-hmm. a huge point of discussion among Bulldogs fans as to how much blame should be laid on Jorge Reyna's uh, you know, shoulders, more or less. And, I've been on this the side that's trying to defend him based on the context of other things that crept up in this game and have crept up over the course of the season, which I'll get to in a minute. But I got the sense he was trying to do too much in this game. I can see and, that. Yes. And as a result, he had his worst game of the year. Like, there's really no beating around the bush on that. He was 14 of 26, 136 yards, three interceptions. At least two of them that I can remember were throws that he... You know, on the first one, if I recall correctly, like he just didn't set his feet and he was throwing kind of off balance and it was picked off by Tariq Thompson, if I'm not mistaken. Was it the one on the sideline? Uh, no, I think it was the it was the first one he threw. It was either that one was either the first from Barku or the one that Tariq Thompson picked off. Mm-hmm. But either way, he was rolling out. He didn't have his feet set and he was trying to throw that ball and trying to fit it into a really tight window and it didn't work out. And then the last one he threw that basically killed any chance at the comeback mm-hmm. was... That one was particularly egregious because I, that was the kind of situation where, you know, when you're getting flushed out, you should just throw it away and, and fight for another down. Give yeah. yourself another opportunity to move the chains and get into the end zone. And, you know, those kinds of mistakes are a little less forgivable than some of the interceptions that he had made earlier in the year. And that's really been kind of the penchant that when you look at back at the season, it's just killer mistakes at really really bad times but again you can't necessarily pin it all on him because now he's he's working with like his third center yeah he's working with his third left tackle the offensive line is in shambles Mm -hmm. not helping him one bit and at this point they started this was their eighth offensive line combination in 10 games so the fact that they had been able to basically function as well as they did even despite the third down struggles even despite all the personnel changes and everything like that is from my perspective kind of a minor miracle and it's to san diego state's credit that they were able to exploit that because we you know you look back at earlier in november and late october not every mountain west team was able to do that this is a team that was still scoring 31 points a game and still moving the ball fairly well and the aztecs basically shut them down mm-hmm you know, the defensive line, uh, Cam Thomas in particular, it seemed like he had 
Reyna on the run all night long. And they were able to contain the running game in a way that not many teams had been able to lately. They held Ronnie Rivers to 15 carries, 47 yards, and a third of that came on his one 16-yard run, which was his long yard, excuse me, his long run of the evening. So there was just a lot of things that did not go well in this game. And we didn't even talk about how you know, Jalen Cropper was lost to injury early on, you know, right? They, they, yeah, and they got you know another offensive lineman, Bula Schmidt, missed time with injury. I can't remember if he came back into that game or not, but you know it was a team that had came into the night kind of falling apart. And, and being able to have, have some successes regardless of that. And, you know, like I said, you, you can credit San Diego State for basically slamming the door in their face on another division title. But, you know, it's at some point, you know, you kind of have to look at the big picture and see that at some level this was going to be unsustainable with this many injuries, with this much turnover. And, you know, the next couple of weeks might be similarly ugly, but... I don't necessarily think it's a harbinger of things to come, if that makes sense. No, it's kind of a bad luck type deal because we knew the team wouldn't be as good as last year. Lose, like you mentioned, losing so much talent. Jorge Reina has been okay. He's, he's usually not been the issue throughout the year. This game was, I'll say, because three picks looks bad. So some of it's on him, like you said. He should chuck the ball away. He was getting harassed all night, so that's kind of hard. Even though I doubt this ESPN sets right of saying one QB hurry. I doubt that. I think it's more than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... Like, he has been playing, he's been playing, like we've always said, like he hasn't really been the problem. He hasn't been the reason why they're doing extremely well. If he'd played better, yeah, they could have had maybe another win or two. But this is probably his worst game of the season. And this is the only time where you're still not blaming him completely because it's a combination of things. If the offensive line's not going well, like you mentioned, Ronnie Rivers doesn't have a big game. Reyna can't have time to throw to find his receivers. There's all sorts of things going on. But this is probably the one game where, yeah, maybe give him a touch more blame. But again, it's a combo of things where... Roll over a talent. You you mentioned what the eight different starting lineup combination, the offensive line. No team is has that depth. Heck, even if you're like a high level power five team, if you have that many different combinations, you maybe you can sustain it a little bit, but you're not going to be like an elite team in your conference by having that many different linemen start. Yeah, and I mean, if you if you flip it around and you and you look at the offensive performance that San Diego State was able to put forth, Ryan Agnew. Whew. Well, they still kind of scuffled on the ground, like they had two 20-yard runs, from one from Chance Bell, one from Chase Jasmine. But that was pretty much it as far as the big plays. Like, as a team, they had 37 carries for 102 yards, and that's not adjusted for sacks or anything like that. But when you take away 40 of those yards, you know, they they averaged 2.8 yards per carry as it was. So the running game was basically a non-factor. And I think that if you're a Bulldogs fan, they probably put themselves in the best position to win that game by making Ryan Agnew make plays. And again, it's to his credit that he was able to, you know, kind of put the team on his shoulders, 33 or 47, 323 yards, a touchdown. And he did, you know, he did have the interception, but for the most part, he made plays. Yeah. Four over nine, four plus plays over 19 yards in the air. That's pretty good for him. And so you just, so you just kind of have to tip your hat to him on that. Also, it should be noted, John Washington was out this game. Mm-hmm. Rocky Long, like this is, I think it's a post game. He's like, we didn't think he looked good enough in practice. He says he feels good, says he's always 100%, but he's not running it like Juwan runs it, so he decided to hold him out. So I don't know if the deal is with his injury, but we've kind of been saying that, like, he's been doing just okay. And we kind of figured more reps, more volume, take him a couple weeks. But at this point, 
I don't know what the deal is with them at all. And like they, if they're going to, because they're in contention, they're in the driver's seat in the West West Division. They could be facing Boise State, probably most likely in the blue turf than Boise. They're going to need everything because I don't see Agnew having like a 300 plus yard game again because it's not, it's kind of rare for what he does. Mm-hmm. If they're going to win a conference championship and needing him to throw them to victory against a much better team and they play Boise State. So I don't know what his deal, official injury, I think it wasn't an ankle he had. Wasn't that what it was? Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's so the thing he's been dealing with all maybe he just needs some more rest. I don't know, but like holding him out and like that was like even like you said the way they played, their, Fresno was still fairly close, even though the score. It's one of those. It's this reminds me of that game a couple years ago. It wasn't like seventeen to three over Fresno State, San Diego State, where it's like just a chokehold the whole game. It's like not even close, even Pretty though it's yeah. like a two touchdowns. You're still within it within five minutes left. Mm-hmm. But the injury thing to Washington. It's something to look out for because they have who do they have upcoming? They have a couple games left. They went two left. Yes. Who do they have? We talked about this before. Who do they have next? Uh, so they are at Hawaii, which they probably would need him for. You think? And that's their last conference game, actually. Oh, BYU. Too. Um, and then they're home for BYU. So yeah. So they're also we should note they're ranked in the coaches poll. Were they ranked in the AP poll? I haven't checked that yet today. I did not check. Okay, we'll check later. We'll talk about maybe that momentarily. But if they want to keep the ranking got to have him healthy, which Ricking's great and all. It's recognition and good. But to beat Hawaii, they're probably going to need him back. So maybe, who knows if it's a one-week thing because he's been getting a ton of reps. Like, he's been the leading rusher, at least in the amount of carries the past couple weeks, getting, what, 15-plus, I believe. Uh, and to follow up, San Diego State is not ranked in the AP poll. They did receive some votes, but they are, let's see, 26, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. So they're 32nd. They're also a note behind Air Force in the uh, AP poll. Coaches pull Air Force. Oh, we might get three teams ranked if Air Force gets another one or two. So uh-huh. that'd be nice. But like they're, they're like I'm correct. Like they're going to need Washington. If they're going to win a comp, possibly win a conference and even beat Hawaii next week because mm-hmm. we'll talk about it later. But if they lose to Hawaii, it's going to set up possibly some tiebreaker scenarios out west. Yeah. So should we go into what's the next game we should go to? What do we got? Uh, okay. So let's talk about Hawaii and UNLV for a minute. <sighs> I'm disappointed. If you took the over, I apologize thir- profusely. That you know what I feel like that's on me <laughs> because that seemed like the surest bet I've seen in a long time this season. Who would have thought they combined for? Was it twenty-one-seven? Was that the final? It was twenty-one to seven. Hawaii wins. Um, kind of an ugly game all around. Oh, let me ask you this really quick: the last game. Did you, you do you watch the whole complete Fresno San Diego State game start to finish? Uh, I saw most of the. I saw you know, most of the first half and all of the second half. I just want to bring up one thing. Did you did you see the touchdown that didn't count for San Diego State in the end zone? I saw the one that didn't count for Fresno State. Uh, there's one for San Diego State where I saw it once a replay. I'm like, oh, that's that's clearly not a completion. Like it's one of those where he catches it, it goes down to your gut, and it kind of hits the ground and bobbles out. Oh, was that the one to the tight end? I think it was. I think a, so. what was it Daniel Bellinger? May have been. I don't remember who it was, but everybody. I'm looking on Twitter. I'm like, look at replay. Every, like. 98% Aztec fans say, that's a touchdown. We got robbed. I'm like, that's like the clearest drop ever I've seen after watching the replay. <laughs> so I'm like, I was just curious your thoughts. I just brought it up because UNLV had that amazing diving INT in this Hawaii game. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, so sorry. 21-7. Um, let me ask you this question. We're going to get to some QB stuff. I don't think it's a QB problem for Hawaii. Now that they have a problem, I think it might be an offensive play calling problem. You think so? Well, it doesn't matter as a quarterback. There's always interceptions. See, I mean, I don't know if it's that. I don't know. It's, it's hard to a... pin down, right? And what the deal is? Why there's always these picks? I, I don't know if it's that they just get off to really slow starts. 
but but even then, you know, you look at what they've done in the first quarters of games, and and you know, at least as far as just passer rating, Cole McDonald's still one of the best QBs in the conference. I I think they're just prone to making mistakes more often than they should, and I think that we knew this about them coming into the year, and that you know their ceiling and their floor was always going to be defined by how much they could rein that in. Yeah, because you, you because you kind of you kind of saw both in this case because Chevin Cordero got the start and he just didn't have it in him. You know he was four of nine, two interceptions, only forty six yards before he came off before Cole McDonald came off the bench, and then all of a sudden, it was like you know they they didn't necessarily light it up on the scoreboard or anything like that, but McDonald was a lot more efficient. He was twenty of twenty six, two hundred eleven yards. No touchdowns, but also no turnovers either. And ran, but also ran for two TDs. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's really hard to say. It's just, you know, Hawaii has been this team that's so hard to predict all year long, in part because of the fact that they are so turnover prone. Like, we know they're maybe the most explosive offense in the conference, but that kind of cuts both ways. Mm-hmm. I, it's, they're both. Is a uh, hold on, is Cole McDonald junior or senior? Uh, he is a junior. So we may go be going through this next year as well. <laughs> Probably the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I just that's what part of my QB thing is like. We're also we'll kind of go through it as we go. But like I mentioned to you before, kind of think about this. Do you think Hawaii's record would be any different if either QB was just the same guy the whole season? Like if they stuck with McDonald or stuck with Cordero? Hard to say. I think it'd be I mean, about if, the same, right? I think it probably would be. Yeah. Okay. But I guess in this game, kind of get back to that, like, you know, they both had some bad turnovers in this game, like those picks on both sides, like Kevin Olblad. Again, no sign of Armani Rogers. Again, change report was coming once there's a new coach decided, possibly. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm betting good money on that. So if, if there's over under or odds on Bovada or anywhere else that says uh, the transfer portal for Armani Rogers, I'd put all my money on that because that's going to happen, or at least enter the portal. So, but like this game, we saw a lot of. Obviously, ugly football. Only twenty-one seven. Was there four turnovers, five turnovers in this game? Too many. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say both the uh, both quarterbacks had two interceptions at least, and then I think Hawaii lost a fumble as yeah, well. Yeah, it had a pick six for Hawaii, so they only had fourteen offensive points, and both those came on Cole McDonald running the ball. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's a good thing where Hawaii plays bad offensively, and they still win this game. I don't really care who it's against because typically in the past year plus, if Hawaii struggled to score. I'd say 28 points. They're not in a game. They're probably getting blown out. And so I mean, for, this, this has to suck if you're a UNLV fan, though. Yeah, you hold Hawaii pretty low scoring points, 21. That's yeah, it. Yeah, and it's you know it's not even that. Yeah, I mean, they still didn't get any pressure on the quarterback whatsoever, and they only had four TFLs. But this kind of reminded me a little bit of the Northwestern game where you know, one unit was basically doing everything that it could to keep them in the game, and the other unit just wasn't holding up its end of the bargain. No, you're right. Twenty-one-seven, like, like Hawaii first early possession interception, three and out punt, fumble. UNLV took advantage of that interception. They got right back, back to back turnovers. They miss a field goal, and like they're up, they could have been ten. They hold them on downs. Like the first half, it was only it was seven to or yeah seven to seven, and UNLV had multiple chances to put points on the board. Like the miss field mm-hmm. goal, how far was that? I forget. It 50, 42 yarder. That's not close, but. You only move the ball four plays. Yeah, you get them turnover on downs, and was it fourth and uh, one at the fourth and goal at the three? Which go for it, fine. 
I get it. You don't score an next drive, but you only go six plays. It's like the offense got to give the defense a chance. Like the defense finally wore down with that touchdown at the end of the half. And you're right. Like the defense played one of their best games all year. Only gave up 14 defensive points. The Hawaii missed a field goal. I stopped about there. Like defense for UNLV is probably one of the better defensive games all year, right? Yeah, it absolutely was. I mean, holding Hawaii to six yards of play doesn't sound like much. Until you but, look at you know, it. <laughs> when, but when you're, when you're keeping them out of the end zone like that and when you're creating turnovers like that, that's something that we nece- that we haven't necessarily seen a lot of from UNLV. Like, you know, the defense only has nine takeaways on the year, which mm-hmm. is the fewest, uh, tied for the fewest in the Mountain West with they, New Mexico. So. They had three in this game. Yeah, so, yeah, it's just one of those things where, I mean, I don't know where you go from here because one week it's one problem and the next week it's another problem and – they just don't seem to have the capacity to get it all together. I know you think Charles Williams would have a big game. The running game, him, Magar, only had, like, they only had, they combined for a decent amount together, like, what was almost 120. But a third of the yards came on two rushing plays. Mm-hmm. And so you think it's just against the Hawaii rush defense, which isn't amazing, did build a run better. Like, Charles Williams, like, he's going to be in the NFL and going to be pretty good. He only has 57 yards. Like, it's, you're right. It's one thing or the other for UNLV, and it's like I can't have Kenny Rogers. Like if he's healthy, unless, I don't know. What, like what is Sanchez's game plan here? Because he's two well, and that's eight. The thing, because Hawaii's defense, like they weren't even getting much disruption either. Like they only had <laughs> one sack, and they only had three TFLs as a team. So why not lean on your ground game? Like why yeah. is why is Oled throwing the ball 22 times, and and Magier and Williams are running it a combined 23 times? Like, why is that balance 50-50 instead of 60-40? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, that's part of, like, what is Tony Sanchez thinking? Is he, like, I, it's a couple things. Like, I'm pretty sure he's going to be gone as well. He's not not won a conference game. He's 2-8 and eight in the year. Who do they have left? They still, um, let me check real quick. Um, who well, I know they, they finished the year with Nevada. Okay, oh, that's right. Nevada. And then and they I got. Think they are home for San Jose State. Like, I wouldn't be shocked. Like next week, if depending what the depending what defense shows up for UNLV, like San Jose State could crush them like forty to twenty, and I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, I would not be. I also wouldn't be surprised if if it's a shootout for some reason because San Jose's defense it's it can be questionable at times, mm-hmm. like especially if Charles Williams gets going on the ground. But like, what is I don't what is Tony Sanchez's thought here to not either not go with Rodgers, not run the ball more. Is he resigned to just, I'm not going to be back next year. We'll finish maybe three and nine, two and 11 or two and 10. Like I don't see them beating Nevada. I mean, the only argument I could, I could reasonably see is that, you know, the running game has really fallen off in conference play. Mm-hmm. You know, after this game, even despite the, the performance of Maggie and Williams in conference play, they're still only averaging 3.3 yards per carry which is not what you would expect. And so when your strength, or rather your presumed strength, isn't doing the kind of job that you would expect it to do, that puts a lot of pressure on all the rest of the components. And, you know, for for as as promising as Oblad has looked at times, he just didn't have it yesterday. Well, wouldn't you think if your rushing game's the best part of your game, and it kind of depends, like, Oblad or Rogers, like, we know the run game works better with Rodgers in there, even if he's not throwing well. Why not? I don't know why they're not. I just don't get why they're not going back to him because unless unless Tony Sanchez has a thought, like, well, I'll be back next year, and Old Bled is uh, what year is he? Is he a he's, he's a he's a retro freshman. Red, a retro freshman. Like, is he hoping to build for the future by letting this guy play it out? But 
that's a risk to take because you're probably not going to be back and you have Rodgers. You know what I mean? Like, I get it if you're a coach, it's going to be back. Like, okay, Rodgers, he's not part of this team. He's whatever he is, his component with the team is. He's going to be our backup. Maybe he'll change positions. Maybe he will go to the portal and go somewhere else. But mm-hmm. Sanchez doesn't have the luxury to sit back and build with old blood for next year. Like, that would be make sense if you were confident you're coming back. And unless you know something we don't know, I wouldn't be too confident thinking you have that security. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Yeah, looking at really like rushing attempts, like, let me, we said through conference play, they're sitting at, let's see, all games, sort CFP stats. They are 10th in rushing attempts for the conference at only 195. Mm-hmm. And only have. Do you, do you want to care to guess how many rushing touchdowns they have in league play? Oh, I'm looking at it right now. They have one. one. That's fewer. That's eight. That's last. Utah State has five, which they've had some injuries. Nevada six, who hasn't been going well. It's like they they're pretty bad at running the ball. We thought that'd be like their reason they'd be really good. So, I guess again, is Tony Sanchez going to get fired on Cannon Day? On Cannon Day? Why not? If they lose to Nevada. They're gonna pull Lane Kiff and say, "Sorry, you got to drive back to Vegas from Reno." Like I said, like I keep saying, I think that if they were gonna fire him, they would have done it already. To say New Mexico, I keep I keep tweeting at night, DM the guys. What just happened? This is a blowout loss to Lobo from the I Lobos. don't know. I don't know, man. There's no difference in buyout between now and you know what I mean. Between now and three weeks. Yeah. Do you think he's back though? We gotta, I gotta keep asking, man. He can't. I don't be think back. so. I don't think so. No. Okay. I mean, okay. I don't think I don't think he's gonna be back. All right, let's move on. Next game is it the it's the Utah State um, Wyoming game, right? Bridger rifle going to Logan. How many times do you see the the converse the not converse but the back and forth red zone non red zone turnovers that like oh this team's got it nope we got it back nope we got it like there's a back to back possession where interception in the red zone oh we'll just fumble the ball as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not what you want to see in this game. I guess the big thing should we start with Jordan Love um, getting injured late in the game? Have we, have we heard anything about that yet? Gary Anderson's as the mind of Kyle Whittingham at Utah because they coach together. the word. Not saying anything less it's season ending, which NCAA, I know you got all things to work on, like uh, likeness issues and paying players and stuff, or allowing players to get paid, I should say. Can we get a formalized uh, injury report of some sort? Wouldn't that be nice? I don't care if you think it's for gambling or college fantasy. Just like, it's just nice to know. It's helpful. Mm-hmm. But I would would be helpful in other ways too to make a few bucks. But it make it it's just annoying. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just annoying. But I believe some people are like this is pure speculation because he got hit on the goal line. Pro- looks like a concussion possibly, mm-hmm. and who knows how severe that is if he's able to go through protocol and be back for next week. But he's he was out in the game. Um, didn't end up mattering. But you no, know, you no. Know my biggest shock in this game was I was watching the condensed version today. I'm like Hawaii had the ball. Or didn't oh, sorry, Wyoming. Sorry, I'm looking at the wrong thing here. Wyoming had the ball. They get stuffed late in the game. Um, on four plays. <laughs> They're down five. They punt the ball. I'm like, what are they doing? They got the ball back miraculously after their defense stepped up. I guess I noticed I didn't realize after they punted they had three timeouts. Because they were deep in their own territory. I'm like, there's not enough time, but I guess with three timeouts there is. But you know what the worst, the most heartbreaking play of the game was? The penalty on Wyoming's kick return out got them deep in their own territory after they forced Utah State to punt. Can we talk about the ref for a second? Yeah, I, I just started it. What do you got? What else do you want to add to this? It seemed like like I don't normally 
complain about the refs a lot. You're level-headed and say it happens. I try to say, I try to be level-headed unless it's particularly egregious. And it just seemed like, um, hashtag Mountain with what Mountain West refs was out in force for this game. Did they get a penalty on the wrong team like Pac-12 refs? There was. <laughs> it seemed like they might have. Like there was one play in particular that it was. It was called pass interference. The Phantom PI. I think it was on Wyoming, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and it didn't end up costing them anything on that drive, but it was just one of those things that seemed really egregious because I didn't see anything there. And it, but but I think that both teams had some legitimate gripes as to the refereeing in this game. And I mean, like I said, I don't know that it necessarily influenced the outcome one way or the other, because I think that there were more obvious kind of narrative threads that really stood out that played a bigger difference than that. I just wanted to point that out. No, I agree as well. Yeah, there is a lot of stuff there. No, I noticed too, like what, cause I, I watched a condensed version cause I didn't get to see full and play, but like you look at Jordan Love, like go back to QB, he left the game. And there's still the QB stuff for NFL prosperity where he's going to be taking a draft, first, second round, top 10 pick. Who knows? I see. I can really see like that pass to Sosie Mariner, that long 80-yard pass. There's a lot of good passes he makes in this game, but his interceptions are ungodly terrible. He had another interception that was basically the same two he had the week before or, against B- or when he played, I think it was BYU. The ones that were the linebacker just dropped back and he jumped up and caught it. You remember those two? Yeah, are like, you talking about the tip drill to Logan Wilson? Not the yeah, the, the one more yeah, not the one that got um tipped at the line of scrimmage. That one's like amazing athletic play, which heck, if the Wyoming basketball team needs some players to get those guys in there cuz they made a bunch of blocks of passes. There you go. But the one yeah, the one that was basically yeah, the one across same type of play across the middle or not across the middle but to his right where there's just somebody in zone coverage where he apparently doesn't read zone coverage very well and throw it directly to a Wyoming player again, just about the mm-hmm. tip and, and pick. It's like I'm thinking Maybe that can be, if it goes NFL, maybe that's something where they could see, okay, he just needs to be a smarter guy and learning different coverages or schemes. Maybe that's all it takes once he sees it more often, but seeing it this many times, I'm just trying to put some out there. Like, why is he making the same mistake? Maybe it's just something a NFL coach or NFL offensive coordinator, QB coach can get in his brains. Like, hey, look for this or something. I don't know. It just seems like the same mistake keeps happening multiple times where, I'm no quarterback. Yes, I have a different view and replay, but it seems like the pick, those couple couple of these picks have been pretty egregious. Mm-hmm. So I just want to bring that up. But Vanderwall, what I like how Craig Bull changes his offense, throwing the ball 36 times, and Vanderwall, okay, he had three picks. I'm not getting too excited about him, but like them throwing the ball as much as they did was a big surprise. And at times he made some pretty good throws, and that kind of surprised me. I kind of thought they'd do. 10 to 15 pass attempts and have Valade who had 114 yards and run 25 times. I'm I'm not, I'm just kind of a little, it kind of threw me off that they threw that much and they were doing okay. Passing the ball. At least I mixing would, things I up. would disagree with that. I'm just saying like he was over 50%. He had a couple, I'm just saying they did. I think they had to throw the ball that much though, because if they just ran each other, they would just smother Valade. Like, would you have given Valade 40 carries in this game? Maybe. I mean, I might have given him more than 20. What was it? What did he end up with? 23, 27? 25. I agree. I'm just saying they threw, like, I'm not saying maybe give him five more carries. and They threw too many times. I'm just saying I'm surprised they threw that much. And I give him credit for trying to change things to allow Valde to have success. I mean, other than, I mean, other than the interceptions, the interceptions are obviously the thing that stand yeah. out on the stat sheet. But Triple. he just, yeah. he made some really bad throws. 
Well, he did. No, I I just give him credit. They wanted like, to make I, a difference. I remember there was one third. I think it was like third and five, third and six, or something like that, where he just he threw like three or four yards behind the receiver, and I was like, why are you trying to put the ball in his hands any more than you absolutely have to? Because I just got the sense that he came back down to earth in this game, well, and he, I'm, you know, and again, it's to Utah State's credit that they were able to you know, punish him for those mistakes, but. You know, when you look at what he did in the game, I didn't really see any reason. Like, he was 5 of 9 in the first quarter, 57 yards. But for the better part of that game, like in the second and third quarter, he was just a mess. Oh, you're right. I just can go back to the morning tax. Because, like, what if they had, like, if they had the uh, Sean Chambers? They wouldn't have thrown 36 times, right? No, but I think if they had Sean Chambers, they would have done exactly what made them so successful in the first half of the conference schedule and it still kept like was that why is he why they lost maybe because there's only five it's 26 21 it absolutely was okay i'm making sure i want your I thoughts mean, <laughs> because think, think about it like this he had three interceptions one of which one of which ended the game right yeah um the other two were were pick uh, six no, no, no. Oh, no, it's the other no. way around. Sorry. Wrong way. But they led directly to two field goals where when you look at the final margin of victory, uh, you can't, you kind of can't help but wonder what would happen if they'd been able to hold on to the ball and keep moving down the field. Yeah. They put the defense in a position where they were continually kind of working up against it. And same as usual, Wyoming's defense played their asses off. Yeah, you know, because you know they held Dominic Everly to four field goals, and they I think he missed another one. Yeah, he missed the last one. But Utah State had one, two, three, near the four, end. five, six, seven, eight straight drives where they got inside the Wyoming forty, and and that was where they scored all twenty six of their points. And like I said, if, if Vanderwall hadn't been so careless with the football, you just kind of can't help but wonder what might have been for the Cowboys. No, I agree. No, you're, I just, like I said, I just think in the past, I like how he changed it up. I think once he, Craig Bull should have said, like, hey, first quarter, he probably looked pretty good. You're five of nine. You're, like you said, what, 50-something yards? Hey, we're looking pretty good. But I think he should have maybe, once he saw a pick or a, something go wrong, like we're punting three, those two, like the two punts back-to-back in the first half, like maybe he should have, or the second, maybe after the second pick. Because mm-hmm. there's only 17, like here's a, kind of the game-changer of it. It's, it was 14-10, to 14-14. Wyoming holds them to their field goal. It's like you mentioned, like the pick six, not the pick six, but the pick for points. Like 20 to 14 at the half. And it's like the, you're at defense and everything. But that little succession there, I think, where it was uh, Wyoming, it's 7 7. Four, like it just kind of goes back and back for scoring, touchdown, touchdown. And then Wyoming does nothing. Field goal for Utah State, pick, field goal. 20 to 14, like it's only a six point game, but the Utah State goes down and scores first again. And Wyoming's down nine points, and they can't come back. They force a midfield goal, then they turn it over, like you said. It's like like the one drive, four plays, minus four yards. They still get a field goal, Utah State does. Partly yeah. because that's a pick like inside the red zone, the one I'm talking about, after the missed field goal, or the interception. And, but dang, it's and, like, and by the way, um, shout out to Eberle. Uh, yeah. one, of our, one of our followers on Twitter, at uh, Go63Blue, wanted to make sure that we talked about the fact that he broke the Mountain West record for field goal makes with what three more games left maybe four games yeah so congratulations to him he's really good he is it's yeah so like they like the you got, like, same thing with like kind of viewing all these defense in this game because kind of similar to uh Wyoming. like their defense played really good couldn't get it done so 
So what do we think Wyoming should be doing next then? Like, should they go back to what they – because we know Vanderwall is not the runner. Chambers is. Should they just throw – just limit the throwing a little bit? Like, say 20 throws a game, 20 or less, like kind of what Ryan Agnew typically does for San Diego State where we don't want you to throw over 20 times more often than not. Can so keep it minimal? I'll answer your question with a question. All right. Uh, and this question actually comes from another of our followers, Rex Wimmer at JFRex01. Thank you. He want to know, does Wyoming go with a true freshman QB moving forward? And that, that freshman QB is Levi Williams, by the way. He hasn't seen any game action just yet. But if you know that your standing in the bowl picture is pretty much set at this point, you know, Wyoming's, they're out of the Mountain Division race. They are probably going to land like a second-tier bowl somewhere. You know, New are Mexico, they? I'm just saying like New Mexico, the Potato Bowl, something like that. Yeah. Here's the thing. I don't know. They got CSU next week, which is going to be a fairly tough test of the offense. They go to Air Force, which is a good team. If you look at my bowl projections, I predict seven Mountain West teams who are bowl eligible in the bowl game. What if that doesn't happen? Like, what if there's only six spots again? I'm not saying Wyoming would lose, would lose, would not get it. But if you're a team that goes just hypothetical, last year they went four and zero to get to six and six. What if they lose their final four games? Does a bowl team really want, or a bowl? committee want a team to lost four in a row it wouldn't be the first time i'm just I saying mean, it's, it's about it's about television that's the whole thing well that too but also you don't want to lose like you don't want to especially if you're at six wins you're you're the last of the pick like anybody with seven wins you had to go by you can't take a team that has fewer wins than you have for a bowl game when you once all the bowl spots are taken say okay we can do not doing trades but go oh, there's not enough sec teams not enough big 12 teams or big 10 teams or american teams let's go next all right we want this team here Oh, they have six wins, but here's this Sun Belt team with seven or eight. You gotta take them before Wyoming, or you know what I mean. That's what I'm getting at. It may not be their fault, but if there's a million seven more seven win teams out there, and you're the very let's say Wyoming's the Mountain West filled their bowl spots, they're the only they're the only six win team in the conference. Just hypothetical saying, if they're the only they're the bottom of the barrel anyways of selection, then they only have six wins, and then they've also lost four in a row. They're also from Wyoming. I'm just saying, you want to win. I don't know if you want to put in a true freshman quarterback to get that seventh win because seven will. 100% get them a bull bid six. Even though they missed it last year, they probably say, sure, we'll take it this year. I wouldn't leave anything up for chance. So, okay, I don't know. That's my question. We don't. We never seen this true freshman. Do you want to throw him in there against CSU? Maybe the defense isn't very good. Tyler Vanderbilt has thrown 321 passes in his Cowboys career. Yeah. He has a completion percentage of 49.5%. Better than Sean Chambers. He averages 5.4 <laughs> yards an attempt. And he has a touchdown to interception ratio of six to seven. That's a problem. His passer rating is basically ninety six point eight. Which, for record, you want to probably be um, much higher than that. <laughs> what do you have to lose? I think there's a bull chance you could lose a bowl game. I I don't think so, man. I mean, I I think it's pretty clear at this point. Like you know, Vanderwall is he's made an appearance in fourteen games, so he's had basically a season's worth of work. He's not the guy. You know what I do? I would give him some time for CSU because I think at a minimum you kind of have to do that because CSU's defense, while improving, is still not really, really good. They're not you Utah State's defense, could, and basically you have to give your defense a chance to win a game. Yeah, the offense isn't doing it. And you, again, you can't give the ball to Validate forty-five times. I mean, you could. Well, but it's you not, shouldn't. It's not, not ideal. <laughs> no, you should not, especially their depth limited. I say, why not for CSU? But here's a problem with that, too, a little bit. Let's just say they start Vanderwall, and he goes, like, they throw 70% less. And at the halftime, he's 
10 to 12, two touchdowns, and like 150 yards. Well, Vanderwall's our guy. It's like, well, you're playing CSU, guys. It's uh, I think he should see some time next week. I mean, I think, like I said, I think if it were me, I would put, I would give Williams some opportunities to get in there and get some live action. But uh, I guess we'll find out. Yeah, I agree with that too. Because you're right, we know what he is. He played basically a season's worth, and he's not great. And he doesn't have, like, I kind of joke, a little better percentage than Chambers. But Chambers has the wheels to actually get what sixty to eighty yards on the ground and run the option and do other things to get other running backs involved. And so. It's not just he doesn't throw amazing. That's not his strongest skill set, but his other assets help him get better with the team. And by the way, before before we move on, can we shout out uh, Utah State linebacker Eric Munoz real quick? Pick six? Two interceptions in his first career start. Boom. Walk-on. There you go. Scholarship coming. G- GA, give yeah, him a scholarship. You love a good walk-on story, right? Exactly. Who doesn't? And he, and he also led the team with 13 tackles. Um, it, would it be hyping him up too much to say he's the new David Woodward? Did he take over Woodward's spot at the moment? Uh, he is lining up opposite of Kevin Meitzenheimer at linebacker, yeah. We sh- we could say he's doing an admirable job replacing him, but let's not call him the new David Woodward. <laughs> just, just give I'm him his just, name. Just, that was Eric, very tongue cheek. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, he's taking over the, the prime Utah State defensive position, which happens to be him at the moment. Yeah, but I think, I think that when you – consider kind of the slide that the defense had been on recently the fact that he was able to step up like oh, that yeah. is a huge boost when you're thinking ahead of that Boise State game next week I'm guessing he's one of your winners for the week yes there you go go check that out too folks it's up as well Air Force CSU oh boy if you put money in this game I, I'm sorry I feel sorry for you with the interception at the end with the pick six at the end I should say 38-21 Air Force so, Matt, Air, I, I don't have to look this up. I'm just curious if you know this offhand. You probably don't. Air Force now has two pick sixes of 95-plus or more yards. Does any mm-hmm. other team have that? I'm going to say no. I, I don't think so. I remember that Hawaii pick six that, bump, that bounced off the guy like five times? Yeah, the one in Hawaii. Yeah, and so I, I, I'm going to go on a limb and say no. So, congratulations. But 38-21, Donald Hammond got to start, played the whole game. For CS or Super Air Force, Patrick O'Brien. Um, is Patrick O'Brien better than Colin Hill? Patrick O'Brien did not have a very good game. No, I'm just saying he threw a lot of yards. The pick, unfortunate, obviously. I'm saying he threw the ball for reasonably well. Reasonably, I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be positive here, Matt. You're taking the negative side. What's up with that this week? <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, this is another situation where, especially in a situation where the Rams had a 14 nothing lead in this game, they blew it. Yeah. They had a chance to put their foot down. And when you look at what O'Brien did in the game, you know, especially in that first half, he maybe didn't take advantage of those opportunities and maybe by extension, just the Rams offense as well as they could have. Because, you know, by halftime, it's 14 to 10. And all of a sudden after that, it's a it's a whole new ball game because O'Brien in that first half, for instance, you know, he ended up with what, 300 something yards. Yeah, 347, I believe. Yeah. Uh, in the first half, he was only 13 of 19 for 98 yards. Yeah. So, you know, they were moving the ball down the field fairly well, but, you know, they had opportunities that maybe should have created more opportunities for themselves because also in that first half, they were two of seven on third downs. And while they were able to mitigate that at least a little bit by being two for two on fourth down as well, you know, they kind of shot themselves in the foot just enough to let Air Force back into this game. And once that happened, 
you know, then the wheels kind of fell off on both sides of the ball. Yeah, but how much blame do you give the offensive line who allowed eight sacks too? <laughs> you have to give them a lot. <laughs> I'm just blame. saying. <laughs> eight sacks, eight TFLs. I'm like, and I guess every sack is a TFL, so eight of those in the whole game. It's like, how can you be upright and keep attempting to throw if you're having to throw or getting under pressure where you can't find Warren Jackson or find Neil Craig Myers, any of your top receivers? Don't they uh, – um, right, excuse me, don't they right there who's – pretty fast i've heard but just he found those people but if you get sacked eight times man you're not you're in trouble it's like you got to give the quarterback some that's why i thought he played okay but when you get getting pressure as much as he did it's like bad stuff's gonna happen i mean i guess it's just you know i look at the the drive chart especially in the middle of the game the second and third quarter you know when air force is trying to work their back into this game they have a missed field goal first Mm -hmm. of all yeah, in, in, at the, in the early second quarter, that's been a problem for them all season long. And the fumble after teams. that, yeah, and then they had a fumble after that. They, you know, had a they got to midfield on their first drive of the second half and turned it over on downs. They got an interception and got to the Air Force forty and punted it away. They got to the forty and they punted it away. So they had opportunities in the middle of that game. Yeah, but they're fourth and 16. They're not going to go for it on there. (laughs) No, I guess not. But it's just, you know, it's one of those things where they had opportunities and they didn't capitalize them on as well as they should have. And And the defense helped them out a bit too. Like most of those touchdowns, like 21 of Air Force's points came in that fourth, came in that 28, I guess. Yeah, 28 came in the fourth quarter. So like one was an offensive miscuse. That defense overall up until then was playing quite well. Like, you give up 10 points through and, and just throughout halftime, nothing third quarter. You're in this game going into the fourth quarter. Then you just implode on defense. And like, it's both sides. Like defense held them out in the first three quarters. It's it just kind of, they, I guess everything caught up to them when the defense and then the pick six, I guess as well. But you gotta give the defense most, a lot of the credit in that first half by slowing air force down. It's no, just, I mean, I definitely think you're right about that. Yeah. But it's like, you're right too. Like they have chances. Like you get, you miss a field goal, crap, okay, you fumble the ball, shoot. But then that third quarter, like, it was back and forth, punt, 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 like, throughout the second, you know what I mean? Like, in the interception, stuff like that. Like, they had chances. Air Force had their, what, three possessions? And every hey, three third quarter, really quick, this how puts into how the defense is playing the ball. Three, three possessions for Air Force, interception, two punts on 11 plays. And they got yeah, zero I mean, it, points it out. It wasn't really until that 50-yard touchdown to Gerard Sanders that things really got away from yeah. them. So I'm saying, but yeah, it's like, and even then, I I don't know if it was necessarily a defensive breakdown that sprung Sanders free as much as it was like just a really, uh, really neat little play design from Air Force because mm-hmm. one I think it was I forget who was the blocker, but he basically took out three Rams defenders. There you go, threw out one, and, and then Sanders <laughs> was off to the races. But you know, and then immediately after that, that was when they have the 28 yard touchdown pass to Ben Waters, mm-hmm. and there was nobody around him. Yeah, wide open. And, and that was more of the same old Rams defense. Yeah, and then also, like, just to wrap it up, that really quick two-play touchdown drive, which is great. I guess that's a, a drive there that uh, the – don't the right play. Like, hey, he's fast at 58-yarder. All right, 24-21. We're back in the game. We're down three. Air Force goes on an eight-play drive and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And then that was – the pick six was just a FU, essentially. It's like, we got this. We're going to take this back and win by 17 points. So, with this game, like this was a, would you say this is a winnable game for CSU the way it kind of played out? Could it they... absolutely was, yes. So does this blow their bowl chances in? 
Well, I mean, who do they have in the next couple of weeks? Boise they and Wyoming. Wyoming. <laughs> I mean, that Wyoming game is going to be really tough to call. Yeah, especially QB. Do, do we know if there's a line out on that game yet? Is that this week? I believe so. There yeah. are some lines out because our DMs, we saw the Boise-Utah State game already has, for some reason, a 10-point line for Boise, which is interesting with injuries. But uh, let me take a quick look here. Okay, they, so Wyoming is a 7.5-point favorite. Where is this game at? Wyoming? In Wyoming. I can see that. That's fair. What do you think? You don't think so? I don't know, man. I mean, you, Colorado State's got to win a regular game sometime, right? <laughs> I mean, you would think. I guess. I'm sure. Why not? I don't know. I don't know what they do from here. Uh, is Bobo going to be back next year? <laughs> I keep asking this good coaches. I think his Coaches Carnage too, is my name here. <laughs> I think his buyout's a little too high. Yeah, I think uh, – I think he's good to stay because he has shown improvements. And whatever quarterback's going to play, they seem to be okay. Like, whatever you want to say, throwing for almost 350 is not bad. They have um, defense is getting slightly better. Is McCoy's going to be back the next year, I believe, correct? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Is is, is Neil um, Craig Myers a senior as well? I think he's a junior, if I'm not mistaken. So they, and they have Dante Wright, obviously, back. So they have some puzzle pieces back. It's uh, it's a defense. Here's the thing about them looking forward. They'll with everybody they have coming back, and the defense can continue to get a little bit better. We know what the offense could do essentially, whether it's O'Brien or Hill, and they seem mm-hmm. to always have some good wide receiver. Maybe next year's Nate Craig Myers. Maybe as a, a year too early on him, about him being amazing receiver. He's been pretty good. Maybe it's next year where they come back and be a uh, yeah, Matt Gore is a junior, the running back, and maybe next year they come back and contend for the conference. Assume the defense takes another step and is above average. So, I think he'd probably stay around. Partly because partly because they are showing to be a bit better overall. Even though yesterday had a lot of uh, hiccups throughout that weren't helpful. Mm-hmm. All right, what do we got yeah, next? Well, well, oh. well, one last thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, our our guy Josh Fredland wanted to know if we could bring back hashtag Run the Dang Ball Bobo. Yeah, probably I'll should allow it. Yeah, why not? Why not? They need they. They've done it the past couple weeks. They did not this week. So good luck doing that against Wyoming, though. <sighs> yeah, good luck. So what's the next game? Is it the final game of the day, or do we have two more? Boise State forty-two, New Mexico nine. Told you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess you did. <laughs> the only thing I'm wrong about is that the blowout loss did not cost Bob Davies' job as of recording Saturday midday, two twenty-seven Mountain Time at the moment. See, what was interesting about this game is once New Mexico got its feet under them, <laughs> did they? it was a pretty competitive game. The problem was that they didn't do that until it was 28 to nothing. In the first quarter, we might add. Yeah, in the first quarter, yeah. Oh, yeah, Boise is starting third-string quarterback Jalen Henderson as well. So, Because, I, I, I mean, it's not like they did a really spectacular job of consistently slowing down the Broncos like Boise State still had over 500 yards total offense and they still averaged what was it 7.7 yards per play but uh you know they they did land some punches like they got a couple of sacks on delayed blitzes which uh you know some of our Boise State followers are pointing out have been kind of a hindrance of that offense uh or rather the offensive line's protection all season Um, long I've seen that all season long they're not wrong and yeah, I mean, but I mean, other than that, it was really hard to say that they did much else because Boise State didn't really seem to have much trouble moving the football through the air and on the ground. Like they did force a 
at least one turnover that I can recall because they did have the interception from Jalen Henderson. Yeah, but didn't didn't he fumble as well, or was that my imagination? Try to think because I, I kind of tuned out when I saw tornado. I'm like, I got other things to do. <laughs> I'm not going to keep watching. Okay, uh, yeah, it was an interception and a fumble on back back drives. Okay. Also, he also had senior night for a start. That's pretty cool for him. Yeah, Hung and, out. and he, and he, pl- he played pretty well. Like you know, they were wondering, well, what are we going to get a, like a comfortable win? Uh, yeah. And other than the interception and the fumble, he played really well. Fifteen of twenty-eight, two hundred ninety-two yards, three touchdowns. Yeah, no, he did, he did quite well. He yeah, he he did he did good for what he what he's asked to do. And I guess people right where I thought they would see we'd see Hank Bachmeyer at least for a drive or two. But I guess it's getting him fully healthy for Utah State because look what happened in Jordan Love. He took a goal line hit and he might be out. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of that, Curtis Weaver got an injury in this game as well. Yeah. It's um, what was it, a left foot injury. Is that correct? Or right, it was a leg injury. There was some video I haven't of heard it, anything 100% yet. I, there was a, I tweeted the video earlier. I didn't see it. One of his legs, I apologize. I don't know offhand. The video's kind of far away. But he's walking seemingly fine after the game, but in a boot, mm-hmm. which probably just um because caught precautionary reasons you know reason to if it's an ankle or foot thing but him walking out fairly without any sort of limp that's mm-hmm. a good sign because he's really really good and probably the defensive player of the year and they are going to need him versus utah state so definitely yeah. you got to make sure he's out there i'm trying to find the video here here it is um hold on my internet side like to play autoplay videos here so sorry for my lack of concentration um, but uh, he just walking off on a boot after the game seemed fine. But again, wearing a boot, okay, it's his uh, right foot. There it is. Okay, sorry, it took me four minutes to find it. But he looked fine. Also, here's the thing too: you're playing in Mexico, you're up big. Why bring him back in, even if he was okay to play if they really needed him? Unless they really needed him. Well, and I mean, he wasn't the only real high-profile injury in this game, too. One of the, the other things that really doomed New Mexico in this game is that they lost both Amari Davis and Bryson Carroll oh boy. to injury early on. And The only two players they have that are good, essentially. I mean, I hate to say it, but... <laughs> I mean, and you couldn't blame them for trying to lean on their ground game anyway. Like, they brought in Kentrell Moran, but he didn't really have much to do. He was, you know, 10 carries, 30 yards. And... You know, you can kind of see a path where the game might have gone a little bit differently. They might not have been blown out so much uh, in that first quarter because they had opportunities to keep moving the chains and just couldn't do it. And that's a credit to the Boise State defense, you know, with and without Weber, because obviously the big play was the the forced fumble that they had right off the bat before the, before the offense even took the field from Chase Atata um, that was picked up by Sonatani Louis. Um, but they had another, they had, they had a third and one at their own 38 and Curtis Weaver stuffed it. Yeah. He's good. And then they had, <laughs> you know, a third and they had a third and two and, you know, David Moa and Riley Wimpy combined to stop that one. And then they stopped them again on fourth down scale. Yehan put forth that, that stop. So, you know, the defense played a huge role early in that game that enabled the offense to really coast from there. Yeah, it wasn't even close. Come on. Well, and that's what I'm saying. Like I talked about in the preview, how like if the defense was, or rather, if the running game was able to get off to a to a reasonable start for the Lobos, that they could hang around uh, for at least a little bit. And so, like I said, it's to the Broncos' credit that they didn't let that happen. All right, I'm, I'm going to move on from the game because it is what it is. I'm look, I'm searching Bob Dave on Twitter as you're talking right now, just because that's what I do. Because you're going to say the same thing. 
Why is he not fired? He why, he would have been fired anyways, right, at this point? Yeah. Best tweet. I'll give this guy credit, too, because it's the guy's from Columbus, Ohio. Tell me if you can find out where this is going. He's from Ohio. Um, Twitter handle, E-D-D-Y-C-8-5. Bob, Dav- Bob Davies got to go to Mexico, clearly. Will Lobos go after Coach? Who do you think that he puts in there? He's from Ohio? Yeah, Columbus, Ohio, specifically. Columbus, Ohio. Come on, you got this. You're not talking about like Jim Trussell, are you? No. You're talking about Urban Meyer. Yes! He goes, well, well, come on, man. <laughs> Urban Meyer's going to USC and everybody knows it. Yeah, he goes, well, the Lobos go after Urban Meyer. You have to think they'd want him. People are talking. Who wouldn't want Urban Meyer's or coach? <laughs> you know who else would like Urban Meyer back? Bowling Green. You, well, no, hey, Utah, no, we're good. We're fine. We're <laughs> Not a, yeah, there's a couple teams. Florida, eh, who knows? Yeah, <laughs> if they want an offense, maybe. I just have to look through that. It's um, it's oh man, it's he's he's gone. Like if we're being serious, like all seriously, not to say he's just fire guy. It sucks, but he hasn't been doing a good job. How many coaching opens openings do you think there will be at the end of the year? Is it just a two UNLV in New Mexico? I kind of think so. That's the direction I'm leaning right now. Yeah. And I'll bring it up, too, because I wrote a piece on it. There's probably 2% chance Harrison goes to Arkansas. Right? Very low. Yeah. I don't see why he would want that job. Me neither. I'm just saying. Like, his name brought up because, oh, Arkansas State at Texas for a couple of years as an OC. So, all right. just it's uh, I thought after being a, blo- a humiliating loss, you would just say, cut ties, AD. It's like you have – I don't know. It's whatever. It's there. It's – He's going to finish the year. Who do they play next? Who do they have at the end of the year? Do you have that in front of you real quick? Uh, they Let's see if I can pull this up real quick. <laughs> I think they still have uh, – no, no, I don't know who they have. Let's just they are, be awkward. Uh, they have a two-game homestand to end the year versus Air Force and Utah State. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, they have a combined 20,000 turnstile attendance in those two games combined. Like officially yeah. people going in. Will they crack 12,000 combined? 12,000? Like, I mean, people actually in butts in the seat, not just tickets sold. I'm really bad at judging that on a screen. Just say I'm going like, to say yes. I'm going to say probably, but I'm not confident in it. <laughs> it's a mess. We'll see what happens. Um, all right, so let's get to a qu- couple questions we had here. Wait, what about the tiebreaker? Should we go to a quick, a quick hit over the tiebreaker really quick? Okay, yeah. So we'll, we'll, I'm assuming we'll talk about this more at length in next week's preview. True. Um, thankfully, one division is at least a little more clear than the other. The West. So next week's game at Hawaii between the Warriors and San Diego State is basically win and you're in. For both teams? Yeah. Okay. Why is that? Because even though Nevada still has only three losses in conference play, um, Hawaii would, you know, they have the head-to-head. Uh, against the Wolfpack. So even if the Wolfpack win both of their last two games, they would still have lost the head-to-head to Hawaii. Uh, so despite beating San Diego State, like if Hawaii wins uh, next week, they're basically in the game. Okay. Because they would have the head-to-head against both San Diego State and Nevada. Gotcha. And then conversely, of course, San Diego State, if they win next week, they'd be the only team with two losses. And same kind of thing. Boom, that's over. Okay. West Division, oh boy, buckle your seats, folks. You mean the Mountain Division? Or sorry, Mountain Division. Jeez, I'm, yes. With this one, I, you, we discussed it before. So basically, 
Boise versus Utah State. If Boise wins, they're in, right? Yes, because they would have the head-to-head against both Air Force and Utah State. Air Force would have one loss, one game left. Utah State, two losses, they're out. If Utah State wins... That's where things get interesting. Because it's 1-1-1, one, one, and one, because the tiebreaker... you have, Do you still have in front of you, the tiebreaker scenarios? So go through and read off those, uh, what would be after, if it's a three-way tie. Okay, so this is from the Wikipedia page. So if you just Google Mountain West Football Championship, you should be able to find this yourself. Uh, but essentially, the division champion with the better conference record hosts the conference championship game, which of course right now. If the teams have the same record, the following tiebreaker procedure is used. So one is head-to-head record. They'd be tied. And as Jeremy said, they would all be one-on-one one against each other. Um, so the next thing would be oh, winning also, hold percentage. On. Really quick. We used to stop you. The way we're going through these, we're assuming a Utah State win and Air Force and Boise also win out the rest of their games. Yeah, so, so they'd be assuming, tied at seven. So assuming Utah State beats Boise next week, everybody else wins the remainder of their games. They all finish seven and one in conference. Mm-hmm. Very likely to the win yes. out, I guess. Yeah. So the next thing is winning percentage among the te- the tied teams within the division. And of course, since they're all one one and one against each other, they would have all beaten Colorado State, New Mexico, and Wyoming. Yes. So what's next? Then, then you go to tiebreaker <laughs> number three. Winning percentage among the tied teams against the next highest placed team in the division. Spoiler, there are only one losses against each other, so. <laughs> with placing based on the team's conference record and proceeding through the division. Tied uh, again. Then, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I think they'd be telling you. Number four, winning percentage among the tied teams against common conference opponents. So again. One loss against each other. (laughs) Yeah, I think the the only two teams, if I remember correctly, that have the common opponents are, uh, I mean, I think Boise State beat Hawaii. Did Air Force? Yeah, Air Force beat Hawaii, right? Um, I double checked. Yeah, on the road, yes. But basically, all three teams are undefeated against the West. So that doesn't help. Which takes us to our last tiebreaker. Roll the dice. Uh, Higher college football playoff ranking. Well, when do we get to draw a name out of a hat? (laughs) (laughs) Or composite of selected computer ranking if neither team is ranked following the final week of the regular season. So if Boise loses next week against Utah State, right now they're in the college football playoffs, uh, the top 25. And I presume that they will be going into next week's game. They'll be probably 20, maybe 19. So assuming that they lose and they are and they win their finale against Colorado State, kind of anybody's guess as to whether they'd actually jump back into the top twenty-five or not. It would depend, like SMU, Memphis, NC, App State, exactly. Whoever so Texas, that Iowa. Is, that is really hard to project at the moment. Which is where you get to the, the old BCS formula again. Collie made for just back. Anderson and, so and I, Hester making an appearance. So I looked this up. I went to Collie Ranking because they have kind of a BCS composite ranking. Was Sagarin part of that too? It has not. Yeah, it is. It has not been updated for week 12 just yet, but going into week 12, so after week 11, Boise State went into the New Mexico game number 20 overall. Okay. So if I remember correctly, the old formula is one third AP poll one-third coaches poll, and then one-third the computers. Well, in this case, it's just computers. It doesn't matter about those other polls. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. Like Among the, the six computers right now, it looks like 
Boise State, at least going into the game again, are anywhere between, from 14 to 31. You know, by by the Collie Matrix, ironically enough, they're 14. By the Massey ratings, they're 31. And we can maybe tweet out the link so you guys can take a look at this for yourself. We'll make a. Point. I think this week I'll I'll probably one of us will do a piece on like the tiebreaker with this computer rankings once we get to week twelve info. Yeah, because it only goes to through the top twenty five, so I don't know where Air Force which is Utah which State, is which is doing top twenty five. Which one? Uh, this this calling ranking composite of all six. Oh oh, they have a comp. Oh I see. They, oh I see. They have a, oh they put a composite together. It's even nicer. Yeah. So they they basically took like if the if the BCS still existed, this is what the top twenty five would look like. Gotcha. Um. So we can we can tweet out the link. Have we'll have an article on that. But uh, yeah, like I said, if Boise loses next week, it gets a lot more interesting, and it's really impossible to say how it would shake out. It also means if Boise loses, let's say, say really just go one step farther further on this. Let's say that happens, and let's just say it goes to Boise State because that probably seems most likely because they already have the leg up of being ranked at the moment as high as they are. If Aztecs move up into the playoff poll, this could be a Boise at San Diego State title game. Possibly. So there's options, folks. So hopefully we have some other questions too. Hopefully that was the smoothest way without getting too deep into it. What other questions? We had a couple other questions, didn't we? Uh, probably. I don't have. I had it in front of me. I just closed my Twitter moment. Let me see if I can find it really quick. Uh, uh, if not, let's see. Oh, here we go. Thanks. Good idea. I just did the tiebreaker one. All right, send us a question. I know we had a couple. Oh, we already probably talked about coaches getting fired because that's what we do here. Um, somebody wants us to see. Can we start Savon McDonald? Like, who's the best quarterback? And somebody replies, (laughs) Savon McDonald. Wouldn't that be nice? So, who is the best quarterback in the conference? Who would you pick to start a, a game to win it all? Right now, I'd probably pick Josh Love. What if there's a healthy Hank Bachmeyer? If if Hank Bachmeyer was healthy, I'd probably take him. Yeah, I hear you too. I'd probably go at the moment. What we know, probably Josh Love. Oh, yeah, Josh Love probably. That's pretty uh, remarkable to say, I guess, about Spartans. Another one really quick. Bigger potential loss for next week if both players are out. Curtis Weaver or Jordan Love? Jordan Love, easily. I'd say Jordan Love for sure. Because we've seen Henry only play a little bit. Not a ton. He played all right, but it's still experience. It's tough to beat. Uh, well, that and what we saw in the Boise State game is like even without Weaver, they they've still got a lot of playmakers. Oh, like, they, we didn't even talk about we didn't even talk about Chase Satata with his four tackles for loss. Not bad, not bad at all. So yeah, it's it clearly Jordan Love is a bigger loss compared to Weaver. Both would be yeah. big, and like it might help Utah State in the running game a bit more if he's out. But still, it's like he's still really really good. So. I think that's all we got. It's all the questions. We went through the other ones. We did talk about the QB record. We talked about running the ball, all the other stuff. Coaches being fired. I predict two at the end of the year. Seems likely. Um, at this point, I guess I, I, have to agree, I have to agree with you, Matt, that if no coach is fired now, it won't happen until Black Sunday, you want to call it? Is there, I know there's Black Monday NFL. Is there a Black Sunday for college? I don't know if there's an official title for it, but yeah. We just coined it. Black Sunday. There we go. Hashtag Black Sunday. Hopefully it's not a bad thing. I just mentioned something that's a horrible tragedy some years ago, but uh, – Let's just move on and end the show right now before anything else that could be the case. All right, so that's it for today. MWR.com is our, is our website. We're basically anywhere, Matt. If you want iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, Spreaker, we're out there on the podcast Stitcher uh, land, landmark site, I guess. So it's whatever. Basically, just Google it. Mountain Swire Podcast, you'll find us. We'll have another show Tuesday with me and Raj talking about the college football playoff rankings, which, Matt, why couldn't South Florida get it done for us? Right. So close. <laughs> we'll talk about that and also 
my dream of Navy beating Notre Dame and postponing the playoff rankings fell through. So that's unfortunate because we all like chaos, right? Yeah, absolutely. Joy root for it. But that's uh, yeah, that we'll get to that Tuesday. I think I believe our basketball show is gonna be back Wednesday. We'll do that sporadically, kind of uh, see what's going on. But we'll be back for us preview and stuff next uh Wednesday that slash Thursday. But uh, keep it tuned to our Twitter page, MWCR, and the website as well for any shenanigans we have this week. So we'll see you then, folks.